Hello, my little fishies, and welcome to Zombie Fishbowl, a podcast about random shit. I am your American host, Melanie, and with me is the beautiful, stunning, old soul, Danielle from England. Hello. 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 Uh, but no fancy intro today. We're just kind of going to dive right into it. Um, uh, her, ha, hi. Do we hi. have any updates? <laughs> Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, nice. Cool. Moving on to the next thing. Um, So, you know, we, we have our topic. We will get into it. I just wanted to kind of like, you know, just, just do our little thing first. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm so tired. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we'll go into a, a thing per yeah, thing. A therping therge? A therpy, therpy deer. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you have one? I have one. Do you have one? Uh, mine is completely ridiculous, and it just came to the... I had, like, three different things I was going to bring up, but I was watching um, Beauty and the Beast with my kids this morning, and, you know, the original, the cartoon Disney mm. one, and it just... It strikes me that the prince, right, the beginning, the, the beast, when he gets that curse put on him in his castle... He's only eight years old. He's like not even eight years old. Was he? Was he a kid? Yeah. It doesn't really say. It just says a young prince. And you assume like, you know, 17, 18 years old, whatever. But um, so then there's that curse put on him where he has to find true love before his 18th year. And when Lumiere's doing his whole Be Our Guest song, he's saying that they've been like this for 10 years. Oh, so he oh. was like a seven-year-old who didn't want to help out an ugly woman because she probably scared the shit out of him because he was only seven years old. I mean, that makes sense when you know that it's based on, uh, is it a Hans Christian Andersen story? I, is that Hans Christian Andersen? I'm not or is it a Grimm sure. Brothers? It's not Grimm. That no. I, I know. But it's an um, old German story, isn't it? And it makes sense if the kids are kids when it happens because those kind of fairy tales are meant to be teaching children morals and also but where things to parents? be afraid of <laughs> kinging and queening but why is it his decision to help somebody when there's clearly they should be a king and queen in the picture yeah. to do that for him yeah yeah there's <laughs> so, a big loophole there I, I was, uh, I, it, it struck me. I'm like, I kind of remember being irritated, like confused by that, but I, I was doing the math as I'm watching the movie. I'm like, this little, it was a little fucking kid. This fairy witch creature has no concept of like, you know, maturity for a child, apparently. So yeah, that was, that's all mine. That's <laughs> all right. It's good. Do we need to find out who wrote the original fairy tale behind it, Beauty and the Beast? It was a a French um, storyteller, Gabriel something. All uh, right. Yeah. Uh, old, old, old tale. I'd love to go into that one in its original context in some further future episode. But yeah, I just thought that was that was my thing. It kind of stuck. I'm taking a shower and after watching it, I'm like, he was just a kid. What the fuck is wrong with this fairy, man? Sometimes I will watch some kind of entertainment media and it will I mean irritate me to a really illogical degree um to the point where maybe I'll be trying to sleep and thinking that was not 
a logical decision. And I don't believe any human on the planet would have made that decision. That's really irritating. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, you know, watch Little Mermaid and it's just like, girl, you are 16 years old. Calm down. Listen to yeah. your father. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It just yeah. comes with getting older, I think. <laughs> Sweet summer child. <laughs> <laughs> Go home to your father. Exactly. Don't exactly. get murdered. <laughs> just just wait it out. You know, give it till you're like 20. It's like a good tattoo. You know, wait until you're old enough to really appreciate what you're doing. So, that's my thing. What's your thing? My thing is, I think we sort of talked about it briefly before we recorded, but toothaches. I yeah. would very much like to abolish them from the planet. They are incredibly bothersome. And they just kind of ruin every other part of your life at that point. Yeah. 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 They just become this um, radiating, undulating um, source of great discomfort for the entire body and for everyone who surrounds you because you get really grumpy and snap at people and occasionally when you're eating something you bite down on the tooth and you feel like your whole stomach is going to jump out of your face yeah it just sucks man i'm so sorry it's okay (laughs) just to clue everybody in i have uh i it started out as a tiny little tiny little cavity that needed a tiny little filling in march yeah and lockdown happened a week before my appointment and so that tiny little cavity that super small little thing has become a root canal needing tooth rotting pain in the ass um, where I've had to have two emergency sort of, well, it says emergency, but it's like two sort of urgent care, temporary procedures done on it, um, which have not been successful. And uh, I am still in a lot of pain. Uh, so I've got to try again tomorrow to see if there's anything else they can do. But basically the dentists are still not open in the UK. I don't know about in the US, but they are doing emergency urgent care. And they are doing extractions, but they are doing no other, just they're not doing root canals. They're not doing anything that involves drilling, which I kind of, I get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, oh my God, I need, I need, because of this, because of lockdown, I've lost a tooth, I think. Oh. Yeah. I won't be surprised if they tell me I need it out tomorrow. So I'm really sorry to people who are triggered by the to- the talk of toothaches. I'll put a trigger warning on the description when I upload it. <laughs> Because I know I don't like people talking about things with their eyeballs, and I don't like people talking about things about their teeth, and then I've just gone and done it. So <laughs> don't tell me about things you find in your eye because I will not, I will not like you. Uh, now I want to go into like really gross eyeball stories. Uh, but, no, no. <laughs> I'm like touching my eyes now because all I can think about is things happening to people's eyes. It's like psychosomatic. I can't. Sorry. I can't not handle talk about eyeballs. I can't handle anything involving the uh, that little vein, that little flap of skin between the tongue and the bottom of the mouth. Yeah, yeah. that fucks me up. That's yeah. my ultimate. Like, nope, nope. Take it. I'm gonna. Uh, uh-uh. I have to wet my mouth now. Yeah, that's when I stick my tongue as far flat against the bottom of my mouth as possible, and <laughs> it doesn't exist. Ugh. All right. Oh, man. So if I sort of 
moan at any point in this podcast I do I do apologize I am actually in pain at the moment I think that I'm due an ibuprofen in like half an hour so I might have to take a a painkiller break but I'm on antibiotics I'm on ibuprofen and cocodamol they can't give me anything stronger without seeing me and they can't see me because it's shut (laughs) (laughs) the laughter it turns to crying (laughs) yeah but all right such is life such is it's it's gonna be okay we'll get resolved so it's all right so let us breathe breathe in um the the hope for for repair and resolve and restitution of of danielle's mouth and (laughs) let us breathe out those weird moments when our childhood films and tvs just kind of throw us for a loop and go what the fuck man all right Mm -hmm. so one two three I was afraid to breathe on my tooth, so I, I did know. Like, a weird breath. <laughs> the little side of the mouth. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Well, so let's just dive right into it. Our topic this week is reincarnation. What in tarnation? Reincarnation. Ah! <laughs> oh my God, have you been saving that for me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm literally so excited that this episode has like a special title. Yes, yes, absolutely. That's that's perfection. I love it. All right. So um, we're gonna go kind of go back to our original format of where one of us does a little introduction and description, and then we'll just kind of dive into little segues about it. So Danielle, this is on you. Okay. So, a little bit of background. You should kind of know what reincarnation is, but just in case you don't, it is the philosophical or religious belief that the non-physical essence of a living being starts a new life in a different physical form or body after biological death. It is also called rebirth or transmigration. Reincarnation refers basically to the belief that an aspect of every human being or all living beings in some cultures continues to exist after death and this aspect may be the soul or mind or consciousness or something transcendent which is then reborn into an inconnected interconnected cycle of existence mm. Mm. reincarnation is a central tenet of religion of some religions particularly buddhism most hinduism Jainism, Sikhism, and most paganism. The word reincarnation derives from Latin, literally meaning entering the flesh again. Mm-hmm. The Greek equivalent is, I've never said this out loud, so let's say metempsychosis. Metempsychosis, yeah. Mm. Derives from meta, which means change, and empsakun, to put a soul into. Nice. So, metempsychosis is also known as the transmigration of souls and is attributed to the triangle dude pythagoras which was a major surprise to me i didn't know pythagoras did triangles and reincarnation but apparently so uh it states that every soul is immortal and upon death it will enter a new body 
The origins of the notion of reincarnation are obscure, but let's have a look at some of the contenders. In early Hinduism, Jainism and Buddhism, the idea of reincarnation or samsara did not exist in the early periods of the religions. The idea of reincarnation has roots more towards the late Vedic period, which is around 1100 to 500 BCE and predates Buddha and Mahavira. The concepts of the cycle of birth and death, also known as samsara, and liberation partly derived from the uh, traditions that arose in India around the middle of the first millennium BCE. So it's quite old, yeah. though no direct evidence of this has been found. The tribes of the Ganges Valley or the uh, Dravidian traditions of South India have been proposed as another early source of reincarnation beliefs. I think that there's some issues with um people writing shit down basically yeah there are some early buddhist texts that discuss rebirth as part of its doctrine the samsara and it alleges that the nature of existence is a suffering laden cycle of life death and rebirth without beginning or end this is also referred to as the wheel of existence Liberation from this cycle of existence is known as nirvana and is the foundation of the most important purpose of Buddhism. Buddhist texts also assert that an enlightened person knows his previous births, a knowledge achieved through high levels of meditative concentration. Hmm. So a truly enlightened person would know all of their previous lives. Yeah, would have access to that information. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to go to the part of my brain which files all of my previous lives. Yeah. And then, yeah, have a look at some boobies. Anyway. <laughs> all the boobies of my past lives. Exactly. <laughs> uh, right. So let's fast forward a little bit to the early Greek. So discussion around the concepts of reincarnation dates to about the 6th century BCE. An early Greek thinker known to have considered rebirth is Pherecides of Syros, and as previously mentioned, Pythagoras, who was a contemporary of Pherecides, though he was a little younger than him. Um, and Pythagoras was more uh, was a more popular touter of the idea. Uh, and he also founded a lot of foundations to get it taught to people. Uh, there was also Plato and maybe Socrates, but he might have been misattributed to this belief because of his relationship with Plato. Yeah. Plato. I always accidentally say Plato. Plato. Lazy T, Plato. And the Orphic religion, which is a 6th century religion founded by the legendary Orpheus, uh, is said to have taught that the immortal soul aspires to freedom while the body holds it prisoner. And the wheel of birth revolves. Uh, the soul alternates between freedom and captivity around the wide cycle, um, around the wide circle of necessity, which sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, way to, way to make that sound like a real bummer. Yeah. <laughs> like, we are fucking stuck here. And the only way to be free is to get rid of our mortal coils. So, yeah. and then we've got <laughs> we've got the druids. Hashtag not real, aka Celtic paganism, which is real, which is just an umbrella term for basically any belief system that was not Roman at the time. Mm -hmm. 
Um, Druids didn't exist, guys. You need to... There was no such thing. Anyway. I refuse to accept this. <laughs> there were people that had different religions, and there were people that have, like, Celtic-like religions. And there's Celtic... Celtic it's Celtic exists, and Celtic paganism exists, but, like, Druids, they just... It was just like a... It's not... They don't exist. They didn't exist. <laughs> uh, anyway, the first... In the first century BCE, Alexander Cornelius Polyhistor wrote the pythagorean doctrine prevails among the gauls teaching that the souls of men are immortal and that after a fixed number of years they will enter into another body julius caesar also recorded that the druids of gaul britain and ireland had metempsychosis as one of their core doctrines which is reincarnation by another name the principal point of their doctrine is that the soul does not die and that after death it passes from one body into another. The main object of all education is, in their opinion, to imbue their scholars with a firm belief in the indestructibility of the human soul, which, according to their belief, merely passes at death from one tenement tenement to another for by such doctrine alone they say which robs death of, of all its terrors can the highest form of human courage be developed so julius caesar wrote that as it's kind of like admiring them and fearing them at the same time because he's basically what he's saying is that they don't they're not scared of death because they know yeah. they're going to be reborn so these people are very difficult to to conquer because they will fight you till they die because they are not afraid of death which is not a good thing for a uh an empire which wants to rule over people like yeah, if they're yeah. not afraid to fight for themselves um but he's talking about the Gauls, which is like more i mean the Gauls end up in britain but the Gauls are more like france yeah and germany and stuff um hippocrite hippolyte you know what i should always practice reading these things out loud before i say hippolytus of rome believed the Gauls had been taught the doctrine of reincarnation by a slave of pythagoras named zalmosis Conversely, Clement of Alexandria believed Pythagoras himself had learned from the Celts and not the opposite huh. way around. So they actually don't know um, nice. whether or not Pythagoras was inspired by the Celts or if the Celts were inspired by Pythagoras, which is oh, quite interesting. That is interesting. Wow. So now we'll go into Judaism a bit because this might surprise you. The belief in reincarnation had first existed among Jewish Jewish mystics in the ancient world, among whom differing explanations were given of the afterlife, although with a universal belief in an immortal soul. Today, reincarnation is an esoteric belief within many streams of modern Judaism, but the Kabbalah does teach a belief in Kilgul, a transmigration of souls, and hence the belief in reincarnation is universal in Hasidic Judaism, which regards the Kabbalah as sacred and authoritative, and is also held as an esoteric belief within the modern Orthodox Judaism. The practice of conversion to Judaism is sometimes understood within the Orthodox Judaism in terms of reincarnation. According to this school of thought in Judaism, when non-Jews are drawn to Judaism, it is because they had been Jews in a former life. Such souls may wander among nations through multiple lives until they find their way back to Judaism, including through finding themselves born in a Gentile family with a lost Jewish ancestor. Very interesting. 
Nice, yeah. And I think that I've seen some things in popular culture that reflects that. So like when people have said that they wanted to convert to Judaism, they've listed as one of the reasons is that they believe that they were once Jewish in a former life. I nice. think I've seen it in movies. Like I read that and it goes, is that, I think that I've heard of that. Or they'll like trace back in their family that there was like one Jewish person and they'll say, that that person is potentially like more like connected to them yeah so. well there's there's also this aspect of reincarnation where it's just like you're you're only ever reincarnated from your ancestors so yeah yeah um it's it's only ever within your family line that you're reincarnated yeah so if you and find that jewish person within your line it stands to reason that it's going to pop up again yeah that's cool yeah. <laughs> I just like the idea that they uh, explain it by saying, like, um, souls can wander among nations. So that's cool. Anyway, last but not least is Taoism. Uh, Taoism uh, begins with a T. So if you've yes. seen it, T-A-O, Tao, it's actually pronounced Taoism. I know that because I read a book once. <laughs> <laughs> Taoist documents from as early as the Han Dynasty claim that Lao Tzu appeared on Earth as different persons in different times, beginning in the legendary era of the Three Sovereigns and Five Emperors. And the Shang Tzu states, birth is not a beginning, death is not an end, there is existence without limitation, there is continuity without a starting point, existence without limitation is space, Continuity without a starting point is time. There is birth, there is death, there is issuing forth, there is entering in. So that's all fancy talk for shit keeps going and it's like a big massive cycle of life and that there's no real ending to, that, that life isn't quite how we perceive it with a yeah, yeah. life and death there's more to it than that so the belief in reincarnation has had ebbs and flows throughout time in europe and elsewhere uh, the movements that get persecuted and and quashed and then sometimes they're taken in permanently even christian sects spent some time sitting comfortably with reincarnation and jesus well he was a believer uh, but I won't go into that any for, uh, more than that. Um, I could spend all day reading you the wiki page, but instead I think we should dive in uh, to the meat of today's episode. Mm -hmm. I think you've got a pretty good grasp of the background of reincarnation, and you should kind of know what reincarnation is in general. But I know that Melanie has been out looking for myths, legends, and folklore about reincarnation yeah. which is really interesting and i have read a paper um back to the old school way of doing the podcast um i've read a paper which i have summarized for you thusly so what shall we do first um well quickly i want to dive into the jesus thing because i think okay. i thought i thought that was super super interesting when um i was doing my research on it and it's not okay so it's not solid, solid fact. It, it's a working theory among many, many scholars um, on on Jesus and the Bible and all this fun stuff. So it is written in the Bible in uh, Matthew, Mark, uh, um, or it's, yeah, Matthew, Mark, and uh, Matthew 11, 14 through 15, and 17, 12 through 13, that Jesus actually taught reincarnation to his disciples. 
Um, and there are moments where he'll ask people who they think he is, or they'll ask him who they think he is. And it's not uncommon for him to say, it feels like you are the uh, reincarnation or you are the, um, the spirit of the prophet Elijah, or, you know, this is something that was fairly common in, in what he did, uh, was discussing people's past lives and, and the re the reincarnation of different prophets. Um, Jesus twice explains that John the Baptist has been a prophet Elijah in previous lifetimes. So throwing back to what Danielle said about um, Judaism, Jesus and his disciples were Jewish. And according to the Kabbalah, it teaches the soul cycle um, and specifically this portion of the Kabbalah called the Golga Neshamat. And like she said, it, it's not common in uh, just sort of like everyday Juda Judaism. It's really in the more Hasidic, Shabbatnik, um, and Orthodox philosophies. It's really considered among most uh, Jewish people to be sort of Kabbalistic mysticism, but it is still kind of a foundational chunk of. Um, and back then, back in Jesus' times, it, it was just part of what they were taught. So it's believed that reincarnation or the knowledge of reincarnation was widespread in Christianity for the first few centuries. Gnostic Christians followed Christ's teachings and believed in reincarnation long past his death. Um, it wasn't until about the sixth century, Roman Emperor Justinian I. And again, this this is this is scholarly guesses, hypotheses. Um, this this is just many many scholars have agreed on this but because it's it's all just kind of hearsay it's about jesus you know how much solid ground do we have here but emperor roman justinian the first from 482 to 565 a.d he considered himself to be the supreme ruler of the church who decreed that nothing could be done in the church contrary to his command and will he wanted it to be believed that we only live one single lifetime and that the priests and church were the only way to mediate with god and get into heaven mm -hmm. It was a, you know, it was a means of controlling the people. So it was about 543 AD that reincarnation was essentially he put forth a, uh, an edict basically that wanted to banish that sort of teaching from the Bible and from Christian teachings in general. Even Pope Vigilius knew that it went against Christ's teachings and refused to sign the ban. But eventually, you know, supreme ruler of the church. Uh, can't do much. So 10 years after it was decreed, Pope Vigilius signed it into uh, dogmatic law on December 8th, 553. Um, and they invented and set a new teaching to hide the gap of Christ's original thoughts on life, you know, where we go, what we do, where we came from. And this is when we get original sin, creation of the soul at the time of conception, mortal sin, judgment day, purgatory, and eternal, eternal damnation. None of these were actually in line with Christ's original teachings. So just throwing that out there. Um, so I, th I thought that was in I thought that was interesting, and I always love kind of well I don't love, but I always am fascinated when you get to sort of see when the church sort of took over and the teachings got set aside. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I remember vaguely learning about how there's 30 years of Jesus's life missing mm -hmm. from from the records, if you will. What was he doing uh, in those 30 years? And there's a quite strong case to be said that he was in the Far East. Yeah, he was. It was supposedly like traveling around and yeah. and collecting knowledge and teaching as he yeah. went too. Yeah, it's it's cool stuff, man. I but. 
And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm an interesting kind of pagan because, yes, I don't do the whole capital G God thing, but I love Jesus. I got no problem with Jesus whatsoever. And learning that he was kind of down for reincarnation. Well, see, now I'm even more on Jesus' side. I don't have a problem with him. He's him down. This image <laughs> has been manipulated by a really bad publicity campaign over the last, like, thousand years. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's not... Uh, it's not a stretch to say that if Jesus existed, the things that he said are probably not the things that you think that he said. Uh, By this point, the, the, the reinterpretation of his words is just going to be so bastardized that there's just going to be no, but I would be fascinated about the story of Jesus's 30 years in wherever he was, because wherever he was learning how to be human, because that's kind of what, um, uh, Lao Tzu, the book Lao Tzu is about the sort of beginning of Siddhartha's sorry, it's called Siddhartha I should say, sorry, Siddhartha is about the beginning of um, Taoism and yeah. how he becomes who he becomes and he's actually like a dick for quite a lot of the book <laughs> um, and like not a very nice person, he has to learn how to be a nice person it'd be interesting to see if there's like a Jesus equivalent there or if like Siddhartha is also the Jesus and is he Jesus? is Jesus actually Siddhartha because there's a lot of parallels I there's a lot of fun things to be had there would love that, I would love that <laughs> I don't know why I said anything about Lao Tzu. Lao Tzu is uh, a, like an emperor, but <laughs> that was just a complete mistake there. But yeah, it's uh, I, do, I, I just vaguely remember learning a little bit about that when I did anthropology of magic, witchcraft, and religion at community college. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that class. <laughs> okay, so now I have just two little stories. They're very short. One is much shorter than the other. And one is an actual story and one's just sort of like a recap. Mm-hmm. So we'll start with a quick, quick recap of um, the aboriginals of Australia. Now, they believe in reincarnation. Almost every tribe in Australia believes in reincarnation in one way or the other. And most of it can be traced to this one deity they have. She's like a deity, a goddess, or a spirit. And her name is Anjaya, and I'm probably pronouncing that totally wrong. But she's a fertility goddess, or spirit, and is believed that she picks up souls from the sand in which people are buried. They're usually marked with twigs bound together in the shape of a cone above their bodies. And she holds the souls in her belly for years until she decides to create new children from mud and to place them in the bellies of future mothers. I think that sounds beautiful and awesome. And I don't know why they're made out of mud, but I'm all about it. (laughs) Um, Some Aboriginal beliefs say that human souls come from spirits left behind by ancestral beings who roamed the earth during the period called the dream time. So the dream time is the Aboriginal understanding of the world's creations. It's the beginning of knowledge, laws, and, you know, life. And it's where the ancestral beings were born and began. So the Aboriginal ancestral beings are half human, half uh, creature. They're freaking cool. Um, And it says the birth of a child is caused by an ancestral spirit entering a woman's body. So the spirit will usually wait in a specific place or a holy place or just an important place for a mother to pass by or a woman to pass by and then she'll enter the spirit and then when that person dies the spirit returns to the ancestral powers so it's it's just kind of this this cool thing they choose when to come down they choose where to wait for a a new life to begin and i just think that's really really neat and that all souls are essentially just these manimal spirits from Mm -hmm. the beginning it's freaking cool (laughs) 
yeah and uh i happen to know for a fact that there's some amazing youtube videos of animations created about the uh, uh the dream time uh, because i took a hunter gatherers uh module um and we watched these videos and they're fucking so beautiful so this sort of aboriginal art and things like that all comes from these uh sort of almost like acid trip fairy tales of the the dream time and it's amazing because they're animists as well so we've talked yeah. about animism in the past and that they think that you know like the souls of people and, and animals are interchangeable and I just think it's such a beautiful idea of the way of looking at things and they don't look at time in the same way either they don't see yeah. it as like so you were saying like that they choose when to come and when they go and it doesn't really matter what time it is either like it can be any time so you could be your own grandfather and stuff which is pretty fun yeah it's it's just such a cool mythology and and you know history and um faith and practice that nobody knows of no you know we all know greek mythology norse mythology all that stuff but but this aboriginal mythology is just like nowhere on the radar to, to be fair to be fair though they choose that it's oh, yeah, sacred yeah. to that yeah um there's a lot of things like that we shouldn't actually know about but they've had to tell us because of modern uh laws and things so like their sacred places are supposed to be secret to them but they've yeah. had to tell the government of australia that like places like Ayers rock and things are sacred places to them because they need to protect it for their own spiritual um uh their their spirituality or their faith they need yeah. to protect it but they're actually like supposed to keep it secret. So the reason why we don't know that much is because they basically only told us what we need to know. Oh yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, which is, which makes it even up. more cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's <laughs> forbidden knowledge. <laughs> but I shall. I, they can have their secrets. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. No. Keep keep them. I I just I appreciate them and uh, and you. <laughs> Sorry. And so the last tale I'm going to give is actually an old Japanese folk tale about a woman named Ot Otai. And this is actually kind of, this is a little different for me because this one's like a sweet romantic story. And usually I, I like them less romantic, but I love this one. So, and and this, this was actually, okay, just a little preface for this. This was written down in 1904 by, I believe, a German author, uh, Lefkadio Hearn, or Lef, yeah, I can't, I by Hearn in 1904, and it was the first English retelling of this folktale. So a lot of people are like, did the story actually exist before this writing? And I understand that, but if you read the book in which it's written, which is called um, Ghost, the Kwaidan, Ghost Stories and Strange Tales of Old Japan, in this book there's also lots of old yokai stories. So these are old stories, so it's not hard to believe that this is actually a genuinely passed down old folktale as well. So getting into it. In the city of Niigata, in the province of Echizen, there was a man named Nagayo Chose. Nagayo. As a young man, he was betrothed to a girl named Otai. Against all odds, they genuinely fell in love and planned to marry once Nagayo finished his studies. Unfortunately, Otai was a frail girl, and at 15 years old, she fell fatally ill. She knows she's going to die. No, you'll be fine, you'll pull through, weeps Nagayo at her side. Even if I pull through this, I will always be weak. This is no life. We will meet again. And he says, yes, of course we'll meet in the pure lands. She goes, no, 
we'll meet again before you die. But for this to happen, I will need to be reborn a girl and to grow to womanhood. It may be many years from now, and you may or and you are already 19 years old. Can you wait for me? He promised he would, and he meant it, though he worried he would not recognize her. Would you be able to give me a sign when I see you? She says, that's not how it works, but if you wish for me, I should find my way. When she passed away, he had a mortuary tablet built and inscribed with her name. He placed the tablet in his Batsudan, which is uh, basically like their Buddhist altar. Every day he set offerings for her and wrote a solemn oath to wed her if she ever returned. Unfortunately, Nagayo was the only son, and so it was his job to marry and keep the family name going. So eventually he accepted a wife his father had chosen for him, and they had a child together. He still left offerings for Otai every day, but found that he was beginning to forget her face. Over the years, Nagayo's life got harder. He lost his parents, and then his wife, and his child. The story doesn't say how they died, only that they died by death. <laughs> to forget his sorrows, Nagayo abandons his empty home to travel abroad. Eventually, he stops at an inn, and a beautiful young waitress catches his eye. She looked so much like Otai. Excuse me, what's your name? You look very much like someone I once loved. And she comes up to him, and she says, My name is Otai, and you are Nageo from Echiza. I died 17 years ago, and you are my promised husband. You sealed your letter and left it in your Batsidan. Once the words left her lips, she passed out. Upon waking, she didn't remember anything of what she had said, but it didn't matter. They married as soon as possible and lived happily together till the end of their days. Key. All right. Okay, I was expecting like there's some kind of like ghostiness, but no, that's it. Just yeah, sweetness. yeah, that's that's what I said. It's it's a little bit more <laughs> sweet and romantic than I usually go. I was trying to find good ghost stories, and finding it, it was actually proving to be more difficult than I was expecting. A lot of the times, I was finding um, these in some of the Buddhist religions. There's when you reincarnate, there are different levels at which you can reincarnate, and one of them is the Ashika, and it's like a demon warrior kind of reincarnation. Um, and it was really interesting, but trying to sum that up would have taken me so long. <laughs> and it was it was it was really cool, and and maybe I'll, I'll get into it again later, but. Um, I saw that one and it seemed really sweet and it seemed really in line with uh, with what I was kind of going for. So yeah. that is the story of Otai. It's hopeful and nice. <laughs> well, and what's kind of fun, though, is the way that it's written. In the beginning of the story, they say that he's from Ichizen, which is a, a province. But when she speaks to him and out of the waitress's body, she calls it Ichigo. And there's just something that happens in Japanese stories where they do these puns, these really subtle puns. Mm. And the um, suffix of that word changes. The go of echigo is to imply before um, otai. So she's, she's like, from that place from before I was here kind of thing. And it, it was kind of this neat play on words in which the story did it. And that was, it was, I dug it. Like just sort of messing with the tense. Yeah. Cool. Exactly. Cool. Well, thank you, Melanie. You're welcome. Them's my stories. Yeah. I'm going to go get sciency on your assy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's not just religions and mythologies that talk about reincarnation. Reincarnation is a legitimate field of study. Because we like to delve into all aspects of human beliefs and 
possibilities of of consciousness and things like that. I believe it falls onto under many different disciplines. You can be doing it in psychology, you can be doing it in uh, forensics, you can be doing it in all all over the place. But let's sort of dive into this kind of like an episode of unsolved mysteries. Okay. Yeah. So I want to talk about creepy children. <laughs> right. So go ahead. It is 109 degrees right now. <laughs> I've just thrown that out there. I'm sweating my tits off. All right, go. All right. I will be quick so that you can put your fan on. <laughs> um, Creepy children. Okay. So creepy children that talk about having a past life. This is a legit thing. This is a thing that happens, and it's pretty fucking common as well. So children claim to have memories of past lives. They usually say really creepy things like, you're not my mommy, or remember when I died? And this usually (laughs) happens between the ages of two and five years old, and generally stop around the ages of five to seven. They sometimes have fears or phobias, which are associated with these memories, like a fear of water as well as preferences or attractions which are unusual to their circumstances and lifestyle, like a craving for foreign food. Uh, Sometimes these memories can be linked to specific deceased persons, verified by records or testimony of the living friends and relatives of the deceased. Uh, Sometimes they have been reported to have bad birthmarks or birth defects, which correspond to wounds or marks on an identified deceased person. Sometimes the memories can be that accurate that the previous life person can be tracked down, basically. Children from all over the world, all over the world, report these memories, whether the culture believes in reincarnation or not. But the instances of reporting is much higher in countries that do, but that can be explained by reporting bias. So if you're in a country that believes in reincarnation, you're going to talk about it more versus a country like the USA, where you're more likely to get written off as having uh, an overactive imagination or just basically being creepy. (laughs) (laughs) So the study I looked at was from uh, was by done by a professor at the University of Iceland, and he studied 30 Lebanese children, uh, which a country which is a country which has uh, like a, a lots of different kinds of religion going on. I could go into it, but there's a minority religion that um, he studied um, that do believe um, in 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 reincarnation. So these 30 children plus 30 control children were from a religious sect that believed in reincarnation. So before I dive into the sort of synopsis and the results, I want to give you um, a couple of brief examples of these kids and, and what they were saying. At a very young age, Nazi made specific statements about his previous life before several family members. He would tell, I am not small, I am big, I carry two pistols, I carry four hand grenades, I am Kwabadai, which is a fearless, strong person. I have a lot of weapons, my children are young and I want to go and see them. To his mother, he said, my wife has more beautiful eyes than you. (laughs) Furthermore, (laughs) fuck you. Um, furthermore, he was speaking of memories of having a mute friend living in the village of Kwam. Oh gosh, 
Lebanese words man, Chamun, maybe Chamun, describing a house that he owned and being shot by armed people. Nazi, Nazi's parents did not encourage him to speak about his previous life. At the age of seven, they finally yielded to his persistent requests and took him to Chamun. He directed them to a street where they met a widow and her children. The life of her deceased husband, Fayoud uh, Kadaj, corresponded to Nazi's statements. According to the widow and Fuad's brother, Nazi correctly answered questions regarding Fuad, which few or only they and Fuad knew, and he recognized some of Fu- uh, he also recognized some of Fuad's possessions. Nazi also reminded them of events that they had experienced together, such as a certain brand of uncommon handgun that Fuad had given his brother. So that's example number one with these Lebanese children. Uh, one of the other children, a girl named Nadine, spoke of her life as a young married woman, giving her name and that of her husband, who strangled her on a yacht and drowned her in the sea. Damn. She showed, yeah, she showed her mother how her husband did this by placing her hands around her throat. Then her throat would sometimes get red and swollen. Nadine spoke about her daughter Rima and how much she wanted her. Sometimes she would get a pillow and wrap it in a blanket when they went for a drive. She would put it in the back seat and tell her mother, this is how I used to put my daughter. There are further statements. um, And according to Nadine's father, she was about a year and a half old when the family took a small boat over to an island. In the boat, Nadine started shivering with fear. And when her father tried to put her into the water to teach her to swim, she was extremely scared, shivered and grasped his arms in great fear. When they came back home, she told them, they killed me in the sea. After this trip, she started to speak about her daughter Rima and her family in the previous life. So that was like the trigger. Nadine's family learned of a man who had drowned his young wife, but most of Nadine's statements did not fit her life. So those were just a couple of the examples from um, his group of 30 kids, these uh, Lebanese children. So his sort of goal was to put into perspective the role of psychological characteristics and the circumstances in which these children live, such as their ability to fantasize, their suggestibility, their social isolation, their disassociation and attention-seeking behaviors, as well as um, explore whether they had a disturbed relationship with their parents in order to explain why they might claim to remember fragments of past lives. The study used a data set of 30 Lebanese children and 30 controlled children. So they were all Lebanese, but the 30 of them had claimed to have past life experiences, which is PLE, and I'll refer to that a few times, PLE. And then the other 30 were not. They were just a, a quote-unquote normal children. Normies. <laughs> um, and so they were tested and given questionnaires. So explanations are um, around why some past life experience accounts can be like verified or why people say it and what what's going on and have ranged from uh, chance coincidences paramnesia which is the distorted memory or confusion of fact and fantasy it's kind of like deja vu it's in the same sort of realm psychologically but paramnesia is like you're your memory and your fantasies are kind of getting smooshed together and that's a real thing 
um, ex or extrasensory perception, which is the sixth sense, the one that we think that there might be a sense of the mind uh, to reincarnation. So there are multiple schools of thought, like just because they're having past life experiences it doesn't necessarily mean that they have been reincarnated it might mean that they have an extrasensory perception and they're picking up the death of another person that yeah, they were picking actually up, that person yeah picking up someone else's channel yes or with paramnesia that would be totally within their own mind that would be a distortion between their fantasy world and um the real world so they'll have picked up some facts they'll fix up some fiction and smushed it all together and got confused and then chance coincidences because if enough children say enough fan like fantastic stories some of them are going to hit marks yeah this particular study aimed to look at those psychological factors that i mentioned earlier um so um i think i go into it again but you know um Fantasy, suggestibility, social isolation, disassociation, and attention-seeking behaviours, as well as maybe potentially uh, abuse. And rather than investigate or verify the statements of the children, it's about the kids themselves. So let's get into that. So what did he do? So he chose 30 children from a community um that's um worshipped that had a faith called druze i've never heard of it d-r-u-z-e it's a really small religion in lebanon um about three hundred thousand people apparently it is uh it was it split with islam in the 11th century and is more hellenistic so think plato um yeah. like the greek philosophers and they believe in reincarnation so not very many people are Druze, but a lot of the kids talk about having had re, uh, past lives. So they chose 30 kids from this community and then another 30 Druze kids that, ha that, that didn't yeah. have any. Um, and then they performed a number of tests, which is like uh, basically questionnaires, question and answers. Things like the Peabody Picture Vocabulary Test, the child behavior checklist, the dream questionnaire. There's quite a few. And they also talked to the um, kids' school, got their school records and asked their teacher questionnaires. Um, and they were all done, it, it was all done verbally. Nothing was done written because some of the kids didn't know how to read and write yet. So it all had to be done verbally. So you have to take that into account because that means that the way the question is asked will bias and influence the 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 answer so yeah. it's important to note that it depends you have to be really careful especially when you're questioning children anyway the results so in terms of cognitive abilities and school performance so like their vocabulary their abstract reasoning memory suggestibility as well as their performance at school do not differ from other children they're totally cool in those areas However, they have psychological traits that are issues. Some significant differences, some significant differences here, but keeping in mind how easy the scores can be to be skewed. Um, so data should always be viewed critically because no matter which way you present it, you can kind of manipulate it. And the author of this paper notes that some of the uh, in, some of the answers that the children gave because they sort of range across this uh, uh, range, basically, <laughs> that that's, it can be skewed really easily. It's kind of like thinking about, it's not an average, it's, it's 
So they've got an average, but that doesn't mean very much if you think about what averages actually represent. So to, just to keep that in mind, but it does show that they seem to be, they, they seem to have more considerable levels of fear, anxiety and aggressiveness. They also score really high in demands a lot of attention. So they are attention seeking and yeah. they also are very fearful, anxious kids. Uh, some other high scoring traits, and this is high scoring in comparison to the 30 controlled children. Um, they prefer being with older kids. They have temper tantrums or hot tempers. They brag and boast and they become easily jealous. They also daydream and get lost in their thoughts a lot. And they are able to also recall their dreams more frequently. So there's loads more, and I recommend reading the article. I'll pop it up in our, when we finally got our website up, it'll go up in our citations section. But it's really good, but there's quite a lot of like little tests with results. But I'm just going to kind of summarize it um, as best I can. So first of all, these kids are not socially isolated and suggestible in, in this case. So you might have had the argument that their, their parents will have manipulated them into saying something yeah. or whatever. But in this in this instance, they're not socially isolated and they don't appear to be suggestible, but they do tend towards disassociative tendencies, attention seeking and really rich fantasy lives. And they have significant levels of fear, anxiety and aggression. There is reason to suspect that the children were traumatized in some way, but absolutely no evidence of abuse or neglect was observed. So this guy and all of his people that were helping, they were looking out for signs of abuse and neglect. No, nothing, nothing. Yeah. Now, they often purport to have um, visions of violent death. Um, this is something that's recurring with a lot of uh, past life experiences in children, is that the person that they're describing died really traumatically. And this violent death imagery and this recollection is often accompanied with a relevant phobia. And their imaginations um, are confirmed to be more active and rich. So these children have more active imaginations and they're able to sort of create this imagery and then they sort of like scare themselves, I suppose. Yeah. These kids grow up to be perfect. Also, it's important to note that these kids tend to grow up to be perfectly normal members of society and don't tend to develop any further psychological disorders. This was investigated to see if there was a correlation between PLE and later development of schizophrenia. Now, I don't know how uh, the big the data set was and how many they checked in on, but in this instance, this guy had gone out and looked. <laughs> there was only one out of an entire group had been diagnosed schizophrenic, which is about average for society in general. So yeah. just because the kid was talking about past lives didn't mean that they then became psychotic later in life. So what are some ways to explain PLE? He talks about post-traumatic stress. He thinks that PLE is a form of post-traumatic stress. They fit the criteria if you consider the imagery of death a stressor. So that would be the trigger. Basically, they scare themselves into trauma. Mm -hmm. um, it needs more investigating, but he thinks that the imagining that their overactive imaginations have, have, have created a scenario which has traumatized them or potentially child abuse. But he didn't want to go into that too much because he didn't see any evidence of it. But he still thinks that there could be a trigger there. So there could be kids that it's triggered by. Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's 
it's been said that hyperactive imaginations like that usually stem from the need to escape, which usually comes from a traumatic either experience or home life, something like that. So, I mean, that's that's not hard to yeah. put that in yeah. there, too. I mean, one could be correlating with the other, so one could be skewing the other. Um, the data seems to support the idea that these children are suffering from some, some form of PTSD. They have very similar answers, basically, to kids that have PTSD. Uh, they have this high fear, anxiety and aggression. So they live a life somewhat in distress. But but PTSD doesn't usually lead to a kind of braggadocious sort of yeah, it behavior, does. does it? It's like a, you kind of build up a facade an okay. overly confident facade okay yeah it's kind of like uh they don't feel like that really in their soul but they'll be like they don't quite know how to interact with people and they become very sort of brattish and um in children got it so they kind of make up these big personas but this is where i'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate and it's sort of devil's advocate against myself here because he's talking about how he believes that the uh the behavior of recounting a past life in children is triggered by a stressful event right yeah. and he's trying to explain it scientifically and saying that they will have suffered some kind of trauma or traumatic event that has given this given them this stressor this stressor has caused them to to have this psychotic break basically yeah and it's not necessarily unhealthy because it goes away in time but this is where I sort of was like, well, wouldn't your death be quite traumatic? Yeah. So if we just for a second imagine that what these kids are experiencing is post-traumatic stress disorder, they are experiencing post-traumatic stress disorder of their own death. Yeah. So if you want to believe it for a minute and kind of think, yeah, okay, so PTSD is a very logical and very uh, understandable reaction to a really traumatic event of your death. So if your previous life, if you will, you were murdered, that's pretty fucking traumatic. Yeah, exactly. And it's possible that your next life, so to speak, is still going to be suffering from that for seven years or whatever until they eventually come to terms with it. Because there are still loads of cases where there's a correspondence between reality and fantasy they can go places and talk about how they used to live there and they can take people around towns that they've never been in and they can uh name people and events of other people's lives there's this idea of uh correlating birthmarks with yeah. Uh, wounds and that does happen and I've watched like some shit and I always take it with a pinch of salt but where kids have said um, I was shot and I was shot in the stomach and then they'll like lift their shirt and there's like this big old fucking birthmark, birthmark. on their stomach and you think oh that's kind of cool but that's only cool until you find out that that person sorry they've managed to trace a deceased person that all of these things that this child has said is accurate about this deceased person and this deceased person was killed by being shot in the stomach and that their autopsy photos have an uncanny like resemblance to the kid's birthmark all those things 
there's a few cases in the USA, there's a few cases in throughout Europe, and uh, there's a few in England, there's a few... And you just think, hmm, that's interesting. That's very interesting. It is. It is it's super interesting. And, and, yeah, especially when it comes to kids. I mean, kids, uh, yeah, always got to kind of take everything they say with a grain of salt. You yeah. just you just do. But, yeah, I mean, they're, when you have those sort of, like, coincidences, air quote coincidences, of those sort of instances, it's, it's really fucking intriguing. But, I, like, I personally do believe in reincarnation. So, like, I... I thrive on those kinds of stories but i also it's for me it's a lot like with the whole empathy thing like we discussed before you can go online and just see all those articles 10 signs that you're an old soul 10 Mm. signs that you've been reincarnated and it's just it's so cringy it's so cringy it's you're you're really grasping for something to make you feel special there um when in fact you're just human uh, yeah, I mean, like, General Patton believed he was the reincarnation of General Hannibal. <laughs> so, like, you can take that to a cheesy place. Yeah. Sure. Like, I'm I'm the reincarnation of, um, uh, let's think, of a cool female that I could be a reincarnation of. Boudicca! <laughs> and therefore I haven't... Uh, or irrational fear of Romans. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, I like the idea. I don't know if I believe in reincarnation because I don't know what I believe in. And that's the whole sort of point of me. Yeah. But I kind of like, uh, I like how, even though this is a scientific explanation, like, he thinks that children, it's, it's kids with PTSD, you can still say, ah, but the traumatic event may have been their death. So you've yeah. proven nothing or yeah. disproven nothing. But his idea was never to disprove anything. He was just talking about the psychological uh, state of the children. And he concludes that they have been, they are suffering from a form of PTSD. Maybe not PTSD, but a form of traumatic stress disorder, yeah. some kind of uh, uh, psychological effect from a trauma um, that eventually sort of they come to terms with and are able to move on from that just happens with young children. And I say, why not that be some traumatic um, repercussion, like some repercussion from a traumatic death? which is why these past life occurrences tend to be of people that die horrendous deaths. Yeah. Because maybe well, I, if we die peacefully in our sleep, we don't retain that, that trauma. And well, so it's, it's kind of fun. Cause I've, you know, I've, I've sort of always believed in rein, believed in reincarnation. So it's sort of something that as soon as I heard of it and learned about it, I was like, that makes so much sense. Like to me, that totally clicked. And but one thing I couldn't quite get my head around was, are we all reincarnations of our, or like, have we, has everyone been reincarnated? And, you know, so doing this, the research I was doing, is like, no, really only reincarn reincarnation really only occurs in people whose families for going back have believed in reincarnation. It's a spiritual journey of, you know, your spirit makes your own journey. So, I don't know quite how to put this. Um, I think I said it in a previous episode where I believe that your soul after you die goes wherever you believe it goes. 
So if you believe in heaven, I'm sure there's a heaven waiting for you. If you believe in reincarnation, I believe that happens for you. If you believe in nothing, then probably nothing happens. Or it just goes into the universe and just is spare energy to feed the universe. Um, and it, it was just like when you meet somebody who is very clearly an old soul, it's striking. It's something that you you can recognize almost inst- instantly. It's like there's there's a wisdom there that I don't think even this person recognizes. But then you meet somebody who's got none of that at all, and um, it it almost seems like they themselves are proof that reincarnation doesn't exist because they are so far from an old soul. Um, and it's just because their familiar spirits don't cycle that way, and that's not a bad thing. That's just not how their spirits move i just i thought i found that really interesting especially when learning that most most when it comes to reincarnation it happens within your own family line um and i was thinking well like all my family has been really catholic and christian but then i'm all no i had a grandma that was super witch and you know so i've had some like crazy uh celtic witches going back in my family for a while so it's not hard to believe that that's been cycling through on the outskirts of my Christian family for a while too. I don't know. I don't know I'm going with it, but I thought that was really, really interesting. Um, you know, and the whole like, why does our spirit cycle back? What what is the necessary necessity of that? And it's just like with each lifetime, it cycles to accumulate better knowledge to fix things that past lives have caused damage in this world uh, from. So like, say an ancestor 200 years ago really fucked up and can't let go of that guilt my my soul that soul that keeps cycling through lifetimes is still buried is still sort of burdened by that damage it did and only by repairing it or doing something of equal or greater value can the soul move past that guilt or that pain that it caused i don't know i think it's i think it's really interesting also apparently a fucking founding fathers believed in reincarnation Ben Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, they all believed in reincarnation and i think Ben Franklin was a an atheist wasn't he um, Probably. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you, you think the founding fathers of America, you think like pretty staunch Christian white dudes. But yeah, they had they had some pretty unique and uh surprising ways of thinking. <laughs> I guess they were heavy into reincarnation. Same thing with like Thomas Edison, Henry Ford, Paul Getty, all believed in reincarnation. I mean, take that with a pinch of salt, because it could just mean that they've said that's a good idea. And then someone's gone, he believes in reincarnation. You yeah, know, that's so true. So just have to be very careful. Um, but yeah, no, I'm sure that people have dabbled at various times in their lives. And it doesn't mean that they always believed it. Maybe they just believed it for like a small period of time. Before we finish, I do want to talk about a little bit about alternative theories, um, which explain the idea of reincarnation or past life. Um, recur, you know, past life re- recollection, uh, and I'm only just going to throw it out there because this is an episode in itself. But simulation theory, so yeah. I've talked about it before, which is this idea that we are all inside a computer simulation, and the idea of reincarnation, the way that that fits into it, means that um, basically maybe your player is playing again, and you're doing yeah. some bits that. Um, you know, and you're still kind of remembering your previous go. So maybe on your previous go, you were a fruit seller from Mexico. 
And now this time your player wants to be a white suburban mother. So, you know, it, it, you're bouncing around playing different. And sometimes maybe the program isn't, programming isn't so great and you kind of retain some of your information from your previous life. It, it goes to explaining deja vu as well. So maybe mm. you actually made a mistake in a previous life and you're having to play it again. Or, you know, you've made a mistake within that life and you're having to play it again. But simulation theory is quite interesting. And there's also an episode of Black Mirror, if you've ever seen it, oh, with yeah. a couple that have uh, that keep meeting each other. And I won't I won't spoil it because it's a really good Black Mirror episode. I have to find out what the episode is called. But essentially, they are, they believe that they are trying to find the perfect match, love match for mm-hmm. for one another. And it goes down a, a very interesting conceptual area, which is, is very much in fitting with sort of simulation theory. Because our concept of time may not, be quite accurate because if we're in a simulation we may think that we're living a whole lifetime but it might only be like five seconds in what is really time so there's interesting things like that there's so many places to go with it also there's places to go with it when you're stoned so I've had many discussions with myself and my journal and with friends (laughs) (laughs) um, about you know the, the sort of idea of what like reincarnation and simulation theory and stuff like that and there's loads of really fun things out there but like I said I've put simulation theory as its own topic because it is so big in itself uh but it's interesting I just thought it would it it ties in with reincarnation because it 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 explains that as well Yeah, yeah for sure and I'm I'm a lot more I'm a lot more liable to believe that we are we are smaller than we think we are than I am to believe in such other things so to believe that there is something much bigger than us that we can't possibly comprehend that we do not have any control over whatsoever like a bigger power is not that difficult for me to believe uh and so the idea of simulation theory is very very tickles all of my fancies because it's very scientific and it's very logical but it's also basically believing in god yeah yeah yeah. because it believes in a higher power that we have no control over our fates that we are being we are instruments of our own of our own gods we all have our gods that that control us which is kind of an interesting concept so i don't know if i believe in free will or not i i don't know do i (laughs) <laughs> that's why simulation theory totally creeps me out like uh, uh, the easiest it, way to explain that to people is that we're all in the matrix yeah yeah and it's creepy but we're not in a bath of goo but keanu reeves might be there which would be really nice because i love him you don't know if you're in a vat of goo you True. wouldn't know you wouldn't know i wouldn't okay. know i don't like it sorry <laughs> True. All right. So, is that... Are we wrapped up? I I mean, do you feel satisfactorily educated? Yeah. No, I thought that was really fun. Uh, Lots of fun information in that. Cool. I also enjoyed your stories. Oh, good. (laughs) Yay! So, if you like that, if you have any questions that you want to ask us about reincarnation, about our 
you know, belief in it or, you know, anything that you feel like we didn't quite cover? Because I, I have like 50 other notes that I didn't throw in there, but, you know, I can answer them at any point. Just hit us up on our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter, Zombie Fishbowl or Zombie Fishbowl Podcast, or send us any topics that you would like us to cover. Please, please do this at yeah. zombiefishbowlpodcast at gmail.com. It's a lonely, it's a lonely little email and it's just waiting, waiting for your little topics to come <laughs> flitter into it. We only ever get um, emails from like Podchaser and yeah, yeah. spam. <laughs> So please, please do that. Yeah. Also, please, you know, leave us your reviews. Give us a, uh, uh, give us some feedback. We, it's not even like we want your reviews. We want you to tell us how awesome we are. This is 100% true. But we also want your feedback. Anything that you think we could be doing better, think that we're doing too much of or too little of, we we want to hear it. So please, do it. Yeah, please. I've just realized that I've been um, touting this as episode 39, but this is actually episode 40. This is our 40th. 40th full episode. Woo! Nice, nice. So shall I pick a topic for episode 41? Yes, give us a topic. Okay, so I'm gonna pick a random topic from the random thing tick picker. Yeah. That got fucked up in the end. It was almost good. It was, it felt very uh, like 80s goth to me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so our topic for episode 41 is the Millennium Bug Y2K. K, 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 K. So that might be interesting. Yeah, let's see what goes on with that then. So we're going to be talking about the year 2000. <laughs> there are 18 years, 18 year olds that were born after that. What the fuck is that? Sorry, sorry freaks me out there are full-on adults that were born after they probably don't even know what y2k is they will because they'll they will they'll they will because the 90s are totally cool right now that's true which is which is okay with me because it means like neopets is back and you know neopets all right tamagotchis (laughs) precisely but yeah, right. so our next topic will be the Y2K Millennium Bug. The fear. The, yeah. the shit that never happened. But what the exactly terror. was it? Yeah, what what was it that we all thought was going to happen? And why did we think it was going to happen? And then what did happen? Other than nothing. <laughs> well, don't give it away. Spoilers! <laughs> all right, cool. So, um, yeah, we will see you next week with that. And before I go, I will leave you with a quote. From Friedrich Nietzsche. Nice. What if some day or night a demon were to steal after you into your loneliest loneliness and say to you, this life as you now live it and have lived it, you will have to live once more and innumerable times more. Would you not throw yourself down and gnash your teeth and curse the demon who spoke thus? Or have you once experienced a tremendous moment when you would have answered him, you are a god and never have I heard anything more divine? I would probably punch it. Ah, uh, I'd I'd be in the second one of that. Cool. Let's, let's try this again. <laughs> can we do it? But can I have better teeth? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's you know that's the plan. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I just I guess I just have to remind everybody. Um, 
like I always do, and I remind Melanie, and I remind myself, don't panic. Okay, I'm good. Did, did it work for you? I think it might. Okay, I think it's working. Yeah, I think I'm okay. Okay. <laughs> Jesus, that's going to scare some people. <laughs> good. All right. See you next week. Y2K, love your faces. Bye.